Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Joining us today on the podcast is Christopher Spada, who is on the Times feature staff. As he says in his Times bio, he focuses on the offbeat side of life. He's the guy who writes about butt graffiti in downtown St. Pete, and that's butt, B-U-T-T. He's the guy who recently caught up with Bubba the Love Sponge and profiled a white farmer with a huge Confederate flag in his yard. The twist there was that the guy had a live-in black employee. It's Florida, people. So Christopher's stories, this is, this, is what, this is how Lane describes them. They make you smile or laugh or cry or go WTF. Um, Lane and I are big fans because Christopher is such a strong writer and because he finds stories that most of us never think of or even notice. And he's particularly effective this time of year. Today's topic, old holiday, new ideas. So uh, before we get into some specific stories, so you like holiday stories, Christopher? I like holiday stories, sure. Uh, I think it's fertile. It's fertile ground uh, for, you know, the type of things that I like to do. And Lane loves holiday stories. Or used to love holiday. I don't know. No, you I used still to love do. Them. I love holiday stories. I love finding new ways of telling the same old holiday story. But I, I was telling Kristen, Christopher in the hall, like, when I started out, I was in a bureau a million miles away, and holiday stories got me on the front page. So I would always else be, was doing right, holiday no one else stories. think of it. So it'd be like April, and I'd be like, ooh, what am I going to do for July 4th? You know? So just the idea of, like, getting you out there into the masses. And I think everybody reads those because everybody likes them as an antidote on holidays. And they really are, like, they are about the important things that people do every year. There's these rituals that matter to people that otherwise we sort of ignore, except when they come around the holidays. Okay, so tell us, tell this audience about Santa School, which we will link to in the podcast. But this was a great story from last year where um, Christopher sat with Santas from everywhere. (laughs) Right. So this is, this story came from... One of my one of my ways that I find stories a lot is through combing through our events database, um, and this one came in through there. Um, I think it was my editor who actually spotted it, but um, I'm always looking through there to see if just something offbeat um, slips in. And uh, it was on a Saturday, and I was on the fence about going. <laughs> um, that's another thing. I I feel like you can always find good stories if you're willing to go on a Saturday because no one else wants to go on a Saturday. Um, And the intention really was um, there's a Santa school. It's teaching people who are either 
new to being like mall Santas or, um, you know, have done it for a few years and want to learn how to do it better to come. And it's a, it's a 12 hour day course that this guy teaches at a, at a hotel in Tampa. And I thought I'll go for an hour. There'll be some funny details about what people are wearing and what their beards look like. And, um, I ended up staying for the first half, which was four hours. And then there was a break for lunchtime. And, uh, I started kind of talking to some of these Santas in the lobby of the hotel and they all wanted to be like, well, I'm, I really am Santa and very like trying to be funny. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't really want to answer serious questions. And there was this giant man who is six foot two and over 300 pounds. And he was very serious. And he was just sitting at a table, not talking to the other Santas. And he, he kind of looked at me from across the room and said, hey, come over here. And he said, do you want to really know what what the deal is with this? And he, this guy was so um, earnest. And, uh, you know, he, he told me this story about uh, a girl that sat on his lap at, at a mall and told him, you know, my mother, my mother just died on Thanksgiving. And this was his first year doing it, and he had no idea what to say to her. Um, and he proceeded to tell me war stories, as he called them, one after another, of just crazy, sad things that uh, that people had, that children had said to him, or even adults. Uh, there was a woman, a grown woman, with who came and saw him at the mall and sat on his lap and said, I was just diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, you know, just really sad stories like that. Um, and I was like, wow, there's there's a lot more to this than uh, than I came here thinking. I ended up staying the entire day, like 12 hours, the whole school. I talked to, like, every Santa Claus there. Um, I started talking to this guy on the phone, and um, it just turned into a, a much more, I guess, serious story than, than I thought it was going to be. It sounded like just a novelty um, and these guys have to deal with some really serious stuff. You know, it's interesting because I have read a number of Santa School stories, and yours was the first one that I ever read that actually had that that level of emotion to it. Like it was – most of the others felt very um, – yeah, let's make a joke on jolly. Yeah, the jolly old guys who you know are doing this and all of that. And yours really, uh, to me, it was it was so such a such an emotional wallop. Well, and I think some reporters and even editors might be inclined to like save the sad. You know, our readers don't want this on the holidays. You know, let's keep it right. light and happy, Santa. But you you weren't expecting that, and you went with it. And I think it was so much more powerful. And you could, you know, you could tell that you stayed and report. I mean, because it's really well reported. It's very deeply reported in like taking in the scene and all of these guys and and categorizing them and and then being able to pick and choose from a lot of reporting. That again, that's a lesson we always keep talking about again and again. But the the you know you can't write it if you don't have it. If you weren't there, if you didn't bring it back, so. I also like what you said about going to the guy who was sitting by himself, because I think a lot of times, especially when I was younger, I think it would be more fun to go patter off of the group crowd and group speak. But then the people are like trying to impress each other. They're not connecting with you, you know. Mm -hmm. So when you find the lone guy in the corner, I think that's a really great instinct. I liked them. It made me think because I wasn't I really didn't think about that job as anything more than 
just yeah, a, a guy getting in a suit and you know having this like dope. You know, I thought so, you know somebody pees on you once in a while. Somebody you know, yeah, that runs at you, um, but like never thinking that that you'd have those moments like that. And they take it super seriously. The the one thing I remember the teacher, the guy who was teaching the class said it's it's not a Santa suit, it's a uniform, and he really means it. And they all take an oath at the end to uphold their Santa duties, and they really mean it when they take it. Well, and you had him giving out cards for social services and job employment opportunities and stuff. I mean, what a thing you never think about Santa doing for a little kid, you know? And then you took it further. So you decided to survey Santas. Well, had made all these fantastic Santa connections (laughs) through this Santa school story, which, by the way, they made me an honorary Santa school graduate. There you go. And I still have the diploma at my desk. But... Okay, we're, we um, need a picture I'm, of I'm that. I'm heading there. That's, that's the picture on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to provide that. Um, yeah, so I, I had really gotten tuned into all these different Santa organizations and uh, kind of like trade organizations where, you know, they share if there's some that they can get insurance through and, uh, you know, find out about discounts on their Santa suits and their their beard elixir and white, <laughs> beard whitening products and things like that. So I had all these contacts, and I said... Dry cleaning, I hope. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What do you do when you have, you know, a way of connecting with, you know, 1,500 Santas? So I said, well, we'll just have to do a survey and find out who these people actually are. So I just came up with as many just goofy questions as I could, you know, the favorite cookie. Um, Chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. That wasn't very exciting. (laughs) Um. I think the most controversial one might have been the boxers or briefs. I got some pushback that they didn't want to answer that question. Who wants to think about that part of Santa? (laughs) I know. What's wrong with me? Um, Mostly white, in case y'all are interested. Mostly uh, uh, Christians. Uh, Let's see. Surprisingly large number of them ride motorcycles Mm -hmm. and have tattoos and are veterans. I mean, over... I think it was like over 35% in all those categories. And most of the Santas think people are nice, which is which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the guy who weighed the most? The largest Santa? I what? think what was more interesting is the lightest Santa, but what was the largest one? The largest Santa was 405 pounds. Yeah, but then there was a 110 guy. That was the smallest Santa yeah. was 110 like, pounds. Okay. So. Isn't that Santa Claus is coming to town where the mom kept saying, like, oh, no one wants a skinny Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Eat Papa. See, that's the guy I want to meet is the 110-pound Santa. Did he pad himself? Do you know? He, he had to. He How can you not? I don't know. Maybe that was his gimmick. Maybe that was his calling card. So, I mean, we were talking before we got on the, the podcast about how I think a lot of reporters dread holiday stories. They did, then maybe because they feel so routine, you know, it feels very s- similar every year. And, of course, we were joking about uh, Christmas catching newsrooms by surprise every year and everyone having to figure out, a you know, a holiday story. But um, so, yeah, you're, you're scanned through calendar items or what are some other things that you guys think about when you think, OK, how am I going to turn this on its head? How am I going to find a different take on the holiday? I mean, I think the reason some reporters hate it because it's usually like two days before the holiday where an editor dumps it on you and goes, oh yeah, tomorrow's Christmas. What do you got? You know, I think if you can think about it ahead of time and plan for it, I, I've probably done 
25 Mother's Day stories in my 30 years of reporting. Like you love them. Every year I'm like, <laughs> what can I do different for Mother's Day? You know, it becomes like a, a personal challenge. And I think if you think about it, I know you think about what holidays are coming up long before they come up. And I think that really makes it more fun than like some kind of burden at the end to just be desperate and find a moment, you know. There's so many elements you can dig into with these different holidays. One thing I like to do is go online and take like type Christmas into one of these word generators and just see what related words to Christmas come up. And then you see reindeer and cookies and whatever. Um, and you can go down the list. And there's Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's a story that hasn't been done probably about, you know, three quarters of them. So it just, it just feels very, like, very fertile ground to me. Does that become, is that, like, part of your process? Ever, like, okay, you, a seasonal search? Like, you know, okay, you're going into the holiday season. I know we're going to want a Thanksgiving story or Christmas story or whatever, so I'm going to go sit there and search and play around. And I do, and it's so, it's so fun because it's, I like stories that are on the, a lot of people dread this. I like stories that are on the calendar coming back around that you're going to have to do every year. Um, like in Tampa, we cover the Gasparilla Festival every year. Everyone dreads that because we have to cover it every year for it's been going on since 1915 or something. Um, I like, uh, you know, I like having a, a something on the calendar. I know I, I got to think of an idea for this. That helps me personally rather than just sitting down at my desk and going, what am I going to what am I going to go after right now? Um, it's nice to have something that guides you. And there's things throughout the calendar all year that, that do for me. So. I, I like it in that way. It's, and it's a challenge, I guess, to think about something different. You did the, um, for Gasparilla, was the the bead story, right? Like, yes. Where do all these, that they, they do like a Mardi Gras kind of thing, right? I have not been yet, but yes, I'm told, right? It's a little crazy. And, um, and then there are beads ending up all over the place, probably killing lots of fish. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, in all the years, the history of the Tampa Bay Times, we've never told a bead story like that. Chris, yeah. you followed the beads, right, from the factory to we, the streets of Tampa. We traced Tampa. them from China all the way to the streets of Tampa, and they, they go a lot of places. Um, yeah, it's another one. It's just where you just go down the list. They go, what are the elements of Gasparilla? You have beads, pirates, boats, right. um, you know, and I just hit on beads. I don't know. Next year, I'll just have to find <laughs> another one. But, yeah, um, that was that was a little fun story. It does, to your point, Lane. I think it does get you front page real estate. I mean, that's Absolutely. like that's like it's like okay, we're giving away space on and that day. Readers love that stuff. You know, they don't want to wake up on Christmas and want to read about the housing crisis or whatever the president just did, or you know, the war in Yemen. They they want to wake up and read about yeah. a Santa or a Christmas tree or a reindeer or something. We almost owe it to them in a way to give them that opportunity. You know, and I know when I was a kid and when my kids were little, those are the stories we'd read aloud. You know, we weren't reading the stories about the city council aloud while we were eating hot chocolate. You know, it, it was like these are the stories we're sharing. And you talk, we were talking about being hallmarky in stories and how that can be a bad thing sometimes. But what other time of year is your heart more open than around Christmas, where maybe you're ready to read something that's more hallmarky than than any other time of year? Yeah, I think it gives you. You can a, indulge it. <laughs> it does, right? You can <laughs> indulge it at this time of year. 
and you can also, and I love your writing, but you, I feel like you play with your writing a little bit more in these stories, and I know I did because it's safer to, to play can, with yeah, different types more of chances. writing, yeah, yeah. A different voice or a different scene setting or something. So talk about the reindeer story. Was that one of those where you did that, like you just sat down, you started thinking Christmas and playing wordplay, and that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was another one that came from our event listings, actually, because I, I hit on reindeer and it, could there be a reindeer story? Um, I typed in into our event listings and there was going to be live reindeer at the mall. And we were having this was total desperation, this one, because we were having a Christmas meeting that day, um, a, a story meeting to talk about Christmas stories in the features department. And I had no idea. And it was like 20 minutes before the meeting. And I just went in and I said, what about reindeer? Where do you, where do reindeer come from? I wasn't really even, to be honest, I wasn't really even sure that reindeer was a real animal at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's frozen. You turns out it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that was one where I didn't know, have any idea what the story was going to be. I found a service that rents reindeer around Florida. I called the guy up thinking he's going to be thrilled to do a story to promote his reindeer rental business. And the guy did not want to talk to me at all. He said, this is not interesting. This is none of your business. We don't talk about this. This is very private with our clients. And I now I really want to know what's going on with the reindeer. Reindeer cover up. But the funny thing was, was I, so through email, he kept shooting me down. And I got him on the phone and he goes, I'm not going to talk to you. And then he proceeded to talk to me for 20 minutes about all the many reasons why this is completely fascinating. Um, you know, there's all these regulations around them, and they're only allowed into the state of Florida for 30 days a year. I guess I should summarize what the actual story was, is that you can only get reindeer from one guy in the whole state of Florida. Um, it's very highly regulated. They can only enter the state for 90 days. They can't live in Florida. And um, there's a whole community of people who, you know, raise them and kind of secretly shepherd them about the country and the state and get thousands and thousands of dollars to have a reindeer at your event. And they are pampered like total celebrities and they have to have special food and hay and they have a rider like a rock star, like, you know, Mick Jagger. Um, it, it was, the story just really opened up um, completely unexpectedly. It's great because it it does feel like like something untoward is going on. You know, they're bringing in the reindeer, the black market, or yeah, something. the black market. And, and they then, had secret names. I liked how you got their real names from the little kid. That was some good reporting right there. And who knew that a, a story about reindeer was gonna? I had to get so many public records in order to find out where the reindeer were coming from because you have to get a special license to bring your reindeer in. And that's how I found out the only people that had reindeer in Florida, and they didn't. They didn't want to reveal this either because they don't want people showing up to their yard going, you know, bringing their kids to see the reindeer. They were just some farmers that live in central Florida. Um, see, people always say they want to be feature reporters and because they don't want to do investigations. But the best features are investigations, right? This was yes. a public records <laughs> investigation about a reindeer story. Well, it takes a lot. The best features take a lot of work. I don't Absolutely. think people, really, you know, the, then they read like they don't. But they actually did a lot of work to get, get to it. No, this is a great story. I mean, I, this is another one that's like you don't really think about it as a, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen another reindeer story. A reindeer rental story. A yeah. reindeer rental story, yeah. What are your, some of your favorites, Lane, from holiday stories besides Mother's Day, which I know you like? Oh, find. we did. You and I did a fun Christmas story one day. I don't know if you remember if it was your idea or my idea, but we followed. I mean, in a lot of my stories, I love Christopher's probably 
30 years younger than me, 20 years younger than me, at least. I don't think about putting something in a search engine to try to see what other word generators would come up. I just think about putting myself in a situation and then going around and around about what would other people do in that situation. So it's a hugely opposite approach, which is really interesting. Um, but I just remember that like we don't have very many routines in my family. And one of them was every year my dad would drive us up to the top of this mountain to a tree farm and we'd cut down a tree and we'd bring it home and we had to decorate it that day. And we, it was like one of the only days mm. as I grew older that our whole family spent that whole day together, you know. And so we were talking about, I can't remember if you suggested it or, or I did, but like go follow a family from when they cut down a tree to when they put the star on top. And um, it was weird. Christopher and I were talking this in the hall, too. Sometimes the weirdest part is like, hey, I'm Lane. I'm a reporter. Can I follow you home? Can I just can I come home while you open your trunk of like macaroni noodle angels and put them on the tree? And they were like, uh, OK, yes, no. <laughs> it's like it's amazing how many times people will tell you yes. Um, but we just spent the afternoon there and, and they you know made food. I think they were watching Oprah and then the dad switched on the football game. But like. Every um, ornament they pulled out of the trunk was a different story, you know, and that was kind of what the story unfolded. The first part was about picking the perfect tree, but the rest of it was kind of much more poignant about this was this ornament, you know, Grandma made before she died and Uncle Billy sent home from the war. And it was, you know, every every little story had a narrative, I every had, ornament. I hadn't thought of it generationally, but because I was thinking the same thing. Like, I, w- I was thinking about, like, those things that, that, that happen every year that don't really make headlines or that don't, you know, that are just really ordinary things. Like I, I sent a reporter once to the airport on Christmas Eve to, to just capture the hugs, you know, like the, those moments and that, and it was Diane, Diane Tennant. And like, just like those moments are just people coming together. Right. And it's like, wow, this is like, this is that it all goes downhill from there. Then you have to go have dinner with your family, and then all the you know all the bad stuff happens. But in that moment, everyone's really happy, and they're like you know. But reconnecting. Di- Diane's real quiet and shy too, and I'm trying to imagine her just walking up to people, going, "Sorry, I couldn't help but notice you were hugging." Like, no, no. <laughs> but the great thing was that she just watched it. You know, it was. Just oh, she her... didn't report it. No, she did. She did. She did. But for the most part, it was like watching the the expectation of the person who's waiting for the person to come, you know, come off the ramp and come in and come through. And they got, some of them had signs and, you know, and again, just sort of those ordinary things, but the, you know, that's what these holidays are about. Right. And these, and the traditions. Um, yeah. So yeah, some, some of my other easy, I mean, if we're giving out tips here for listeners, easy way to get holiday stories is mining Santa letters, you know, whether they're one of my favorite ones was a foster kid. And I just asked the foster agency for like 25 of their best Santa letters, and yeah. it was a boy who wanted a dad or a mom, or maybe both. Um, and then there was an old folk home we went to one time where they were supposed to write their wish list, and one man just wanted a pair of socks. Like, everybody had all these elaborate wishes, and this guy was like, one pair of white cotton socks, please, you know? And so I think you can you can tap into some of these charitable organizations, too, and get ideas through letters or wish lists and stuff. Yeah. So do you do you guys think about topping yourself on holiday stories? Do you think, like, okay, I've got my... my like the my favorite one, and then I'm going to try to find one that's even like. Does the, it go into that? The pressure is on for this year for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling because um, I'm I'm still kind of casting about for my my holiday story, but I will say the word I've I've landed on right now is fake snow. Ah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going from here yeah. for sure yet, but, but I have some it's, ideas. It's a but, theme you're working under. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Glace, you could throw that as a subhead. Glace? Fake ice that uh-huh. they skate on down here. Yeah. Nice. But if you all have ideas for holiday stories and you're not using them, send them to Right Lane. <laughs> <laughs> so we can, we can do them. Um, I was going to say, you have a Mother's Day story you need to get around to. I right do. Right I know right what I'm doing for next year. Yeah. <laughs> 
that is that is see you can plan any time right yep. you could be looking for them yeah i do think that a lot of these are more emotional than people think they're not even though they're they're a joy to read sometimes they really do have a nice um they're more they're better than hallmark really well, because they're, they're not as surface as hallmark you don't have to be that's the thing right because any little thing's going to make you cry more on christmas than on any other day of the year and i told christopher one of the things i loved about his stories is they're not overwrought or emotional he just kind of lays it out but it still makes me weep yeah yeah all right well on that note um if you have a question for lane or for christopher uh and you, or you want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.